Hey, the title of the message is actually the God of second chance and second coming too. The God of the second chance and second coming too. Here we are in Jonah chapter 3. Imagine awakening one morning. You know, you get your coffee. How many of you had a curiosity to drink coffee in the morning? Could you raise your Okay, a few of you. Good. Isn't coffee great? Okay. Little digression there. Um, but you get your coffee, and then you open up the newspaper, and it's like your name. You, you read your name. It, it's almost like it jumps out at you. You know how sometimes you see your name, it almost looks bigger in letters than other people's names. But it's like your name just jumps off the page. But it's so weird because your name happens to be under like the death announcements. It's in the obituary column. So you're like, well, that's weird. I mean, it's kind of a small town. I didn't know there was another person that had my name. And then it gets even weirder because actually it's not only your name, but, you, but the details of actually your life. It's, it's actually, wait a second, that's my birth date, and there's a little bio. They're talking about me. And yet my name is there in the obituary column. Listen, this happened to someone. It's no joke. This guy awoke, awoke in the morning, had his coffee, you know, opened the newspaper, and he read about how he had died. It's a true story. He ends up going down to the newspaper office, you know, and just telling the editor, and he's upset, and he's concerned, that's going to you know, bum everybody out and his family and cause all kinds of confusion and, you know, and so finally, kind of to try to give some perspective, the editor was just, you know, apologizing profusely, but said, look, look, cheer up, buddy, because tomorrow I'm going to put your name in the birth announcement and give you a fresh start. How about that? You know, because there's not much I can do about it up to this point. Okay, here's the thing. Think about a fresh start, you know, doesn't that sound good? No, really a fresh start. And there's a, there's a couple of different ways, I guess we could say that. You know, like second chance, you know, a, second, a reboot, a restart, a clean slate, a start over. Here's why that idea is ap- appealing to all of us. Because life has a way of piling up on us. And it can pile up on us outside of our control, So it can be the result of other people's decisions or just like, I don't even know how it happened, but it happened and life is difficult and it's challenging and and it's just just piling up. Or it can be because of personal failure. Either way, it can leave you demoralized. And you're like, man, I would just love a new start, a second chance, a reboot. You know, a new horizon, a door to open up, kind of just to start over because I just feel this pressure. It's a bummer. I'm being demoralized. I I think of a man by the name of Roy Regal, uh, which he became known as Wrong Way Roy. Uh, He was a Cal football player, University of California. It's a true story. He was an All-American, actually. He was playing in the Rose Bowl in 1929 against Georgia Tech. He was playing defense. Georgia Tech fumbled the ball. Okay, he picked up the ball, but he, was, he ran the wrong way. It's like he was running in the direction as if to score a touchdown for the, for the team that they were playing. And one of his teammates just like ran him down and tackled him and then told him what an idiot he was. No, just kidding. It's like, Roy, you were running in the exact opposite direction. Of course, it was so humiliating to him. And, and he, he ended up not even wanting to play the second half. His coach said, Roy, at halftime, get up. 
Because look, the game is only half over. You got a second half, Roy. You got a second chance. And he went out and he just did phenomenal, one of the great efforts in Rose Bowl history. But look, if you're thinking, man, I could use a second half. I mean, I could use a second chance. I I mean, we've all been there, right, at one time or another. Hey, look, you're not alone. Because I got to tell you, the idea of a second chance, reboot, restart, it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. It's true. Now, just track with me. This is very important. Before we get to the text, very, very important. Genesis 3 identifies the dynamics of what took place when Adam and Eve uh, went outside of original design, when they sinned, when, when they broke God's commandments. And, of course, we never really break his commandments. When we step outside of original design, it always leads to disintegration and breakdown. It's like it brings a breakdown in our own lives. But when you, when you look what happened... It really addresses the nature of what happens in our life that leads us to want and need a second chance. In a nutshell, Scripture tells us that when Adam and Eve stepped outside of original design, and we're going to put the Scripture up here, Genesis 3, 7, it tells us they knew that they were naked. And that's a, that's a big idea there. It's another way of saying, check this out, that all of a sudden there's this new awareness that they didn't have before. And it wasn't a pleasant one. So they're like, just, whoa, this is different. And, and they're uncomfortable. And there's a sense of vulnerability, okay? It was bugging them to the extent, check it out, we have it up on the screen, that they sewed fig leaves together and they made themselves coverings. So, wait, um, we made a decision and all of a sudden we have this new awareness that we've never had before. It's called shame. It's called guilt, And if guilt and shame are not properly addressed, they morph into self-destructive realities in our life. How many of you are tracking with me? Raise your hand real quick, okay? Big ideas there, very important. So they sew, you know, fig leaves together, but guess what? Fig leaves don't work. It's like they tried to respond to this condition. And interestingly, it only got worse. Check out verse 8. It's up on the screen. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the, can someone tell me? Lord, whoa, wait a second. Now what you're doing is like the worst thing you could possibly do. Now all of a sudden you've made a decision You're dealing with this new awareness, right, of what? Guilt, shame. You're trying to respond to it in your own ingenuity, in your own resources. It's not sufficient. And then when the Lord shows up to walk with you, because Adam and Eve had this fantastic, intimate relationship, we're like, oh, man, something is wrong. We're actually going to try to hide from the Lord. Here's the thing. Failure and sin in life, we've all been there. We're all sinners. We still are, and thank God we're saved by grace, you know? But the thing is, is that it it leads to guilt and shame. If it's not properly addressed, it actually makes us hiders. It makes us run. And that run, Jonah was on a run. We'll get back to it in a second. Jonah, the story. Jonah was trying to run. He was full of shame, vulnerability, and guilt, right? It makes us hiders, and it often leads to dangerous behavior, even forms of self-punishment even. I'm going to just do something crazy just to list the drugs or make some sort of decision or rip someone off or get into some crazy adulterous relationships. Like, what are you doing? I got to tell you, you got some major unresolved issues in your life. 
I, I, mean, I mean, the thing is, there's guilt and there's shame. You're, it's, it's morphing, and it's, it's bringing your demise in greater ways. God never intended for us to draw from our own resources to address the need for a second chance. And in fact, in Genesis chapter 3, the Lord answers with this promise that Bible students believe is a reference to ultimate redemption in Jesus. After this major mistake by Adam and Eve, and they're hiding, and the Lord's pursuing them. In verse 15, the Lord says, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, and she shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Many believe this is the first reference to a promise of Messiah in answer to the guilt and shame and sin and breakdown in relationship with Almighty God. Romans 16 tells us, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Listen, I ask you like, hey, you know, is it appealing that they have a second chance and reboot? And we all know. We all know the need for such. And we so would appreciate a restart and a reboot, you know. We've all been there. And you go back in history, you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, and you see a need right there. And I think of David. I mean, David, King David, had a heart for the Lord, beautiful heart. He made some terrible mistakes, kind of a, in a time where he's not doing much. He's, he's not really on the move. He's, he's not growing in his relationship. He ends up seducing a woman, kind of working behind the scenes, gets her husband on the front lines. He ends up, you know, being killed in battle. All of this hidden stuff, he's running, he's, he's fully, you know, he's trying to cover all of his situation with fig leaves, if you will. And ultimately, the prophet confronts him, for you did it secretly, David, but I will bring this out before all Israel, before the sun. So David is like, hey man, let me tell you something, you blew it big time, we all have, we all need a second, we all need redemption in Christ. The Lord gave David a second chance, but it almost wrecked not only him, but his family. I think of Peter. I mean, Peter did not intentionally betray Jesus. Okay, he, he wasn't like Joseph's brothers, like we're just gonna, like who intentionally betrayed Joseph. When Peter denied the Lord, it was just, it was like weakness, man. It was, it was a failure. His head was spinning. But he's not trying to intentionally hurt the Lord. The reality is, is we've all failed the Lord. It's like, it's not like we intentionally try to betray him, but in our weakness and getting caught up with fear, we fall short. And Peter needed a second chance. And then we, of course, need a second chance as well. And we have it in the Lord Jesus. But it goes on and on. And we can just give a bunch of examples. We come now or back to the story of Jonah because you guys, we learn about what a second chance actually looks like. Um, and, and the first thing that we see here, and we have it up on the screen, is, look, the Lord totally initiates your second chance. I mean, he is all in to a reboot and renewal in our lives. Just think of Jonah, kind of the wrong way Roy of his day. He ran from the presence of God. But the Lord causes a storm, Right? And perhaps even creates a customized fish to swallow him as a rescue. Now, go back to chapter 1. Check this out, you guys. This is a reminder. If you're here for the first time, you'll get a real sense of the story. 
But it tells us in verse 1 of chapter 1, when the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amatei, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, which is actually modern-day Mosul. It's the headquarters of ISIS today. That great city, cry out against it. Their wickedness has come up before me. It's happening today. But Jonah, all right, arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, probably headed towards Spain. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, went down into it uh, with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Look at verse 4. But the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Let me tell you, the Lord's pursuing Jonah at this time. I mean, the, the Lord, and we're talking about second chances. The Lord is totally into second chances. Can I hear a big amen to that? Telling you, he loves you, loves you, loves you, and will pursue us. And, and that's the gospel. I mean, since, you know, eternity, he has a plan in place that there would be second chance renewal in Christ. So, look, jump down to verse 12. It tells us, and he said to them, pick me up, throw me into the sea, and the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Look at verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great, what's the next word, you guys? Fish. Okay, to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. What's the point here? I just want to draw out. Well, Jonah is on the run. Jonah is full of guilt and shame. Okay, he's, he's doing something that he's not going to win and other people are not going to win. Okay, the idea of running from the presence of God is a metaphor. The reality is there's, no, there's nothing we can do that like we could hide ourselves from the knowledge of God, right? Um, I mean, he sees everything. I had this flashback this last week. Uh, I got beautiful grandchildren in our home. I love it. I have all these flashbacks because the second grandson, John Paul, he's about 15, 16 months. He was the age that our firstborn son was when we came to Auburn many years ago. And he's a whitehead. He's just, oh my goodness. It's like looking at my firstborn son. It's awesome. But I had this flashback because I used to play hide and seek with our firstborn, Greg. And I remember one time saying, okay, you know, counting it off or whatever. And he would go run. I could hear him trying to find a place, you know. He's like three years of age at the time. So I go, ready or not, here I come. And I walk into the room, it was a living room. He's sitting down in the middle of the living room like this. That's what he's doing, you know. Oh, gee, wh- wh- you know, wh- where's Greg? He's just sitting like this, trying to be as still as possible, right? So for him, out of sight, out of mind, dad can't see me, right? Well, of course, I could see him. So the idea of Jonah running from the presence of God is if God is localized to like Bethlehem or something, he can't see anymore. That's not an accurate picture. Picture is, man, what he's doing is he's making decisions that are taking him more and more out of harmony with the true and living God. That's not a good place to be. It's like Isaiah 53, 6 says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned to our own way. And what's beyond words, you guys? Kind of mixing stories there. Getting back to wrong way, Roy, which is kind of hard to say. <laughs> wrong way, Roy. It's like the Lord has gone, gone through drastic measures to tackle us. Is he not awesome or what? No, drastic measures. Just like, the, you know, Roy's teammate ran him down. Just like, what are you doing, Roy? Just tackled him. 
And the Bible tells us he chose us before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in Christ. Whoa. Now we just stepped into the infinite zone with a finite mind. He, what? Chose us? The Father did. Before even the world was created, before he spoke in his existence, he made everything out of nothing. Like we were on his heart. Praise him for it. I mean, it's like, whoa. He chose the Father. It chose us to be in Christ. Okay, and, and then we see in the earthly life of Jesus, I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. How many of you are a sinner? Could you raise your hand real quick? Right, I mean, we all are. It's like the Lord actually came to bring healing, to rescue people, right? And then, then he goes on to say, when he saw the multitudes, he's moved with compassion. Man, he's like, man, I'm going after people. I, I want to tackle them and give them love and second chance. He looks upon the multitudes as scattered, breaking down, perishing, you know, sheep without a shepherd. And then he told his disciples, and he speaks to us today, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the labors are few. And therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. Man, we, we, we got to get out there and tackle people in Jesus' name. I mean, the Lord loves all of humanity and wants every human being to know his love and second chance in Christ. And then it leads, and this is our second point, well, the Lord took incredible drastic measures because it ultimately led to the cross. I mean, what do we learn about the God of the second chance? But number two, the Lord offers the gift of forgiveness in Christ, a clean slate. And in the story, I mean, look, look at chapter 2, verse 1. Look at this story. Verse 1, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the fish's belly. You got to understand, when Jonah was swallowed by this big fish, I don't know if it was a whale, I don't know. The Lord could have customized this thing. In fact, it could be translated, he customized a fish to swallow Jonah. It was actually a rescue. It was actually a tackle. That's what's happening. And Jonah is conscious, and he prayed while in the belly of the whale. And there was repentance, and there was second chance. We see here, if you jump down to chapter 2, verse 8, Jonah is, is we studied this last week, but you know, he's, he's pinning chapter 2 as a praise of thanksgiving for the Lord's redemption and new beginning. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice you with the voice of, can someone tell me, thanksgiving. I will pay What I have vowed, salvation is of the Lord. Look up here for a second. There's a parallel between Jonah and Jesus here that we have to see. It's like Jonah was full of guilt, thrown into the sea because he was guilty. And when he was thrown into the sea, there was calm. Jesus, who was totally sinless, through himself, as we've been talking about, through himself into the sea of God's wrath. Not because he's sinful, but because we are sinful. And as an atonement for our sin, and it's because he threw himself into the sea of wrath, hung blood, gave himself on the cross for us in redemption and atonement of our sins, that then the sea calms, we have peace with God, and then are able to be peacemakers to our fellow man. Is that not awesome or what? We all, like sheep, have gone astray. 
And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Oh man, how we need forgiveness. I mean, just go back to Genesis, right? Adam and Eve dealing with what? Shame and guilt, broken relationship. That's, that's a big issue. And you know what? Let me tell you, fig leaves don't work. And we all need forgiveness. And thank God for a second chance. And thank God for forgiveness in Christ. I read a story about a father. He was estranged from his son. And he went to the newspaper uh, and he put a, take on an ad. And he, he just, he was, he, you know, he, he didn't, hadn't seen his son for years. He took out this ad and he said, Paco, that's what his son's saying, Paco, all is forgiven. Meet me tomorrow at the newspaper office. I love you, Dad. Next day, 12 noon, Dad shows up. There's 800 young men by the name of Paco that are there. I mean, it just speaks to the fact that, you know what, we all need forgiveness. Can I hear an amen to that? You know, one leading psychiatrist said 90% of all people in insane asylums could be released immediately if they would just learn how to forgive and how to be forgiven. And the Bible actually describes forgiveness, what it looks like in a variety of ways. And, and that's a whole, whole study. But one picture is like the Lord, well, he doesn't, even, he doesn't even see our failure anymore. It's like he hides it behind his back. He throws our sins, you know, into the depths of the sea. And then could be says, doesn't put up, you know, puts up a sign, no fishing allowed. You know what I mean? It's like he doesn't even see it anymore. Is that not awesome or what? I mean, he doesn't even, he doesn't even see your sin. Guess what? Past, present, or future. In Christ, you're forgiven. You're cleansed. I mean, you've been declared righteous. How's this for a second chance reality? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new, can someone tell me? Creation. Whoa. Total new identity. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He who made him, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I mean, we're just talking about what does second chance look like? I'll tell you this. The Lord initiates it. And he has. And that's what the gospel is all about. And the second reality is there's an offer of forgiveness based upon what Jesus Christ has purchased for us on the cross. And total forgiveness. New identity before Almighty God. That's so awesome. And the third thing is, I mean, what do we learn about the God of second chance? The Lord offers a green light to move forward in obedience. Hey, listen, the Bible says, Jesus said more specifically, if you continue in my word, you'll be my disciples. You'll know the truth, and the truth shall set you, can someone tell me, free. Look, faith, what is faith? What is biblical faith? It's obedience. You, you want to be under the management of the Lord. You want to you honor him. You know, making tough decisions to love and to forgive honors the Lord. It's the right thing. It's a part of not only someone else's healing, but your own healing as well. And, and, and now what you have is like the Lord initiates a second chance with Jonah, right? He, he runs him down. He, he, he tackles him. Okay, there's forgiveness. There's a reboot. And then you have this opportunity, this green light for Jonah to get up. And, and have a second chance to obey the Lord. Look at chapter 2, verse 10. So the Lord spoke to the fish, 
It vomited Jonah onto dry land. And and let's read a little bit more, chapter 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah, Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. A three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. He cried out and said, yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Hey, when it tells us here that he entered a great city, it was great. And we know by archaeological evidence that it was literally a three-day's journey to walk around a city about 30 miles long, 10 miles wide, protected by five walls, three moats. I mean, there's some suggestion there could have been a million people in this very city. It's one of the great cities of the ancient world. Okay, just get this. Like, what a second chance look like. Oh, man. The Lord initiates it. He's so into it. He so much wants to tackle us. He's pursuing us. Isn't he not awesome? <laughs> and it's like, okay. And then it's like, all right, he gave himself on the cross. There's forgiveness. There's new identity in the Lord with the Father in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he gives us, so important, we do something with that. It's so important that we're like, okay, Lord, what's your will? And how can I honor you and glorify you? And you know what? I- I'm going to obey you, Lord. And it's not like as if it's a performance treadmill because if I do what's right, then I get your favor. No, I already have your love and favor and forgiveness. And positionally, I'm a king's kid forever. I do this as a demonstration of my love for you. And, 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 and to walk through that green light that I'm going to just obey the Lord as tough as it may be, you know, emotionally, or maybe even circumstantially, it's a demonstration of my love for the Lord. It's a demonstration that he's captured my heart, he's forgiven me, that he's true, and I want to honor him. And it leads us to the fourth point. What do we learn about the God of the second chance? Hey, the Lord uses your small steps of obedience in a great way to his glory. And that's what we see in this story. Let's go back to verse 5. Look at this. So the people of Nineveh, I mean, the Lord, Jonah's just obeying, right? Believed God, proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. And the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, uh, sat in ashes, and he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. But let a man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way, from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent? And turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way. And God relented from the disaster that he said he would bring upon them. And he did not do it. Oh, that's great news. Hey, look, remember, Jonah is being called to an incredibly wicked city. Not for a show of hands, but how many of you remember? You know, actually... Ancient Nineveh is modern-day Mosul. I mean, today it's the epicenter of ISIS. 
So it's like, imagine you being called by the Lord. Look, I just want you to go to Mosul. What, what did you say, Lord? Did you just say Minnesota? No, Mosul, Mosul, yeah. Montana, Mosul, Mosul, Mosul. Really? Yeah. Okay, here's the thing. I want you to walk around the city. I just want you to say, you gotta worship the Lord God of Israel. Because if you don't worship the Lord God of Israel, and this is an opportunity for grace, man, because you don't, you're gonna be majorly, you're just gonna be slammed. Now, now it's like a couple of things. One is, we talked about this in our first study. We, that would be a challenge for all of us. That, that's going to reveal how big our hearts is immediately, right? Because we have conflict. Are you sure that's the right strategy, Lord? I mean, some of the Republican leaders are saying, let's just carpet bomb them. You know, it's like, you know, to, to, these are crazy people. You're going to offer them a second chance? So immediately we're conflicted. I mean, I, I would be. I'm, I'm not so sure that's the right strategy. And we talked about this a couple times, but look, the world is a projection of your heart. And if it's small, then it's like a lot of things are going to be small. So is mercy and grace and love and how you view your fellow man. And also the small in terms of the potentialities of God's grace in other people's lives. It's like, Lord, I I actually don't want ISIS. I, I, I don't want ISIS to come to know the Lord. Well, wait a second. I mean... For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Excuse me, what, you're a, aren't you a sinner? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Are we all on equal footing at the cross of Christ? Oh, granted, there needs to be justice on planet Earth. You know, if someone murders, there's, there's just law there. But the reality is the Lord offers second chance and relationship with him to every single person in Christ. Can I hear a big amen to that? I mean, what's the hope of the world? The hope of the world is Jesus, and unless Jesus is, like, is at home in our own hearts, we end up limiting a work that he wants to accomplish in this generation. It's like the only hope for Greg Denham's heart is Jesus at home in my heart. That's a process. That's a painful process, actually. That's a major growth process. Can I hear an amen to that? It's true, but it's a necessary one. Jonah's given a second chance. He goes to Nineveh. Now, you've got to remember, the Ninevites worshipped the fish god. So maybe word got out. There's some guy, some prophet, that came out of a fish. I mean, this is new avatar or something. You know, it's like, whoa. I mean, it may have been a part of the drama. I don't know. But I want to give a little perspective here. I'm breaking down kind of the god of the second chance. Because three out of the four main points we've made... Three out of four have all to do with the Lord's work. One has to do with our cooperation. But we need to cooperate with the Lord. How many of you ever heard that term, the battle belongs to the Lord? You heard that term before? I mean, 1 Samuel 17, 47, all the assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. What does that mean? Well, one way we could think about it is, all right, look, the Lord wants us to step on the pedal of obedience. Trust him. Forgive, love. Allow him to large your heart towards others. Be under his management. Otherwise, we get self-defeating, spiraling. We're running from him. You don't want to do that? So just step on the pedal of obedience and the necessary grace and power and strength and influence will, in fact, be there. Look, the battle belongs to the Lord. But we got to cooperate. The Lord wants our heart. He wants our obedience. He wants our trust. And, you know, life is like 
a football game. It's true. You know, you just boil down a football game, it's three hours, a lot of ups and downs. You know, you, you, got, you call some plays, some work, some don't work, right? That's life, right? Sometimes you're just like, man, I got to reboot, like literally punt, boom, punt, punt to that end, you know, play some defense. It's like up and down. You got personnel issues. You're, you're working with other people. That's not easy. It's, it's, it's sweaty, you know. I mean, it's not, life is not easy. I, I mean, it's, it's, it has ups and downs. You, you, you set some objectives. You meet some. You don't meet the others. You can just do a couple things. One is when things are not going great and you're not taking yardage and scoring TDs, you can run off the field. You can throw your helmet. You can freak out on other people. Or just say, you know what? The battle belongs to the Lord, and I'm just going to keep stepping out in obedience and trusting Him. What do we learn about the God of the second chance? Finally, you guys, we learn here. It really speaks so much about the Lord Jesus himself. And specifically in relation to his second coming. How many of you know Jesus is coming again? How many of you know that? Is that not awesome or what? Everything is moving towards him. So Jesus is coming a second time to earth as Savior, Judge, and King. Get the parallel here. Jonah came out of a customized fish, preached a message. He extended grace before judgment. Jesus came out of the belly of the earth, death. Uh, made himself known 40 days, infallible proofs. Ex- extends grace before his second coming. We are in the age of grace. Jesus comes out. It's like, man, we got to listen to the one who hung blood, gave his life for us, was buried, resurrected, then ascended to heaven as a demonstration he's the king. We are living in the last days. Jesus is coming in. This is the age of grace. The Lord commands everyone on planet earth to turn to him, to repent, right? So it's like, do you see the parallel between Joan and the Lord Jesus? And when Jesus returns, he comes as Savior. It's a love rescue. He said, unless those days were shortened, no flesh would survive. But he also comes as judge. He separates the sheep from the goats. He brings justice to planet Earth. And he comes as king. He rules and reigns. And then, interestingly, please hear this, you have the reign of Christ. It's known as the millennium, the thousand-year reign of the Lord Jesus, when it is also a time of extension of grace, because after the end of that thousand-year reign of the Lord Jesus, you have the ultimate judgment, the great white throne judgment. It tells us the Lord always extends grace before judgment. Is he not wonderful or what? He all, he's so merciful, and he has been to all of our lives. The God of the second chance. Oh, Lord, thank you. Just, you know, just let's just thank him this morning afresh that he's so into that. He so much wants to give you a second chance. And, you know, there, there's renewal as believers every single day. It's like, you know, to be filled with the Holy Spirit really doesn't primarily have to do with spiritual gifts, although it can be a part of that, can be spiritual gifts. To be filled with the Spirit is to allow the Holy Spirit to bring front and center to our lives the person and work of Jesus and who we are in Christ afresh. 
And when that takes place, it's like, oh, Lord, thank you. You ran me down. I'm forgiven. I'm cleansed. I have your favor. I get to be a part of your hands and feet. I I get to step out in whatever Nineveh you've called me to, to make a difference in this generation. The Lord is awesome. 